Well, I'm excited that you're here with us today and able to worship God. Even if you're sitting on your couch, and this is always a great time just to be able to worship God and to think about some things. We've been talking about what we do in the face of danger, and I think that's a real thing to be able to think about, because what do you do when things like this happen? Uh, it's hard to make sense of where we are and what goes on. Some people, life is fairly normal, but for most people, it has changed completely. And maybe what you do is different, and the way you do it is different, and even the fact that you're not even allowed to do it anymore. And so those things are all different for us. We've been talking about in danger we pray, in danger we go through it, in danger we fight, in danger we wait on the Lord. And today we want to talk about in danger we build, because I think that's one of the last steps in all of this. And I want to go to a story about Nehemiah. The story of Nehemiah is an amazing story. We find Israel had been captured by Babylon. They had been taken away into captivity. And then Babylon had been captured by the Medes and the Persians. And then the Persians completely take over. And so what you have is they had no place, no country, nowhere to go back. And they were in captivity for 70 years and then allowed to go back. But as they go back, what do you do? They're looking at this complete devastation because the walls had been torn down, the houses had been torn down, the temple had been torn down, everything was destroyed. And so how do you start over again? And some of you may be facing that question, and so let's talk about that today. You see, as they went back, they found a place where they could live in the rubble. And that's basically what they did. They didn't really build elaborate houses for themselves yet, but they had found a way to survive and a place to be able to live and all of those things. And yet, it was not a good time. It, there was no protection for them. There was no wall surrounding them. And at that time, people could come in and they could just take whatever they wanted. There's no police there's nobody to stop them. There's no one to be in their way at all. And so when they would grow crops, well, somebody else could just come along and take them. And anything that they had managed to make or build and tried to keep in their house, well, somebody could just come and take it. The people were completely unprotected. And there was no way to keep anyone out. And so there's no way for that, for that nationality, for that, those people to be able to survive. They can, certainly can't make any progress. And so they continue to be absolutely poor and helpless. But this isn't like it's a threat from a huge army that's come against them. We already talked about that. It's not like it's a threat from a giant named Goliath or one person who comes against them where they're able to fight. It's not even that there's a war. It's just that there's no protection, and it's from individual people. Maybe it's a group of people that would come in and do something to them, but they have no way to defend themselves. Well, Nehemiah is far, far away. He is the cupbearer to the king, and so he gets news about what's going on in his country. Look at Nehemiah chapter 1. It says, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah. Now it happened in the month of Chislev in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hananiah, one of my brothers, came with, a certain, with certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, 
who had survived the exile and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnants there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. Its gates are destroyed by fire. And so he finds out this devastating news that although they had been allowed to go back and there had been a couple of times where people had gone back, there was nothing built. They had no place left. And it was in complete shame and people just took advantage of them all the time. Well, that's devastating to Nehemiah. Because Nehemiah is a leader. He's one of those people who can see how to do things and yet... There wasn't a way to do this. And so he hears about the condition and immediately it pushes him to prayer. It pushes him to be able to repent to God for his whole nation, not only for himself, but also for them. And he puts all of his heart into this and he goes before the king and the king recognizes that he's upset. Ask about him. He tells the king about what's going on in Jerusalem. And he asks if he might be permitted to go back and build the wall. Well, to shorten the story a bit, yes, the king agrees. And not only that, but gives him provisions as well to be able to rebuild the wall. And so he will go back, he will build the wall, and then he will come back to his slavery. Which is one of those amazing things, because God is the one who's allowing all of this. And so how does this happen? What does Nehemiah do? Well, let me summarize some of the story. The first thing he does is he, when he gets there, he's able to go and look at what's going on. He goes out at night. He goes out and he rides all around the perimeter. And he sees that the walls have been broken down. He sees there's still a lot of rubble that's there. And so the first thing he does is evaluate where are we? What is it that's happened? What do we have? What are the places? What does it look like? There's a lot of rubble from the old wall. But he's not really there to evaluate whether to build or not. He's there just to see what it's like and to see what it's going to take. Because he has absolute faith that they're going to build the wall. The question is how. And so the second thing that he does is to start a plan. How am I going to be able to do this? What's going to be the best way to do this? Uh, it's not like they can just hire people around. Um, and so what are we going to do in this? The third thing he needs to know is what are the resources? And there are some, there has been a wall there before. And so there's lots of building material, certainly not all of it, but they might be able to repair the wall instead of starting all over again. And so there are some stones that are able to be used. And there are some ways in which the material is available to build. Well, the next thing he does is he gathers some of the people together to be able to talk to them about building. Because unless you have the buy-in of all the people, it's really not going to make a difference. But we see this in Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 17. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision." And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for good work. 
Now, as you look at this situation, what you're going to see is Nehemiah comes in and he presents the problem. He doesn't give them the solution. He doesn't tell them, here's what you're going to do. He presents the problem. And he says, we don't need to be in this situation anymore. And he talks about the hand of his God. And he talks about how God has been with him. And he talks about how he has been able to come. And God has this mission for him. And the people are the ones who say, then we should build. And so they come up with it. They's not, they're not being told by him that they have to. They tell him, we need to do this. And so they strengthen their hands for good work. They get ready to do this. And so the fourth thing is involvement. And he gets a buy-in from all the people about how they're willing to do this. And one of the things that's important, since there are some who don't want this to happen, they decide to build the wall all at once. And so what Nehemiah does is he divides people into families. Well, it's easy enough to divide them into families and sections of the wall to build with the idea that you build the wall that's in front of your house. Because that's the wall you're going to want built first. And so why don't you build the part that's in front of your house? And the next person builds the wall in front of their house. And the next person the wall in front of their house. And it's going to go on like that. But all you have to do is build this part in front of your house. And that's what they're designed to do. And so they're able to build. They're able to start. And they get the bricks. They get the mortar. And they enlist people to be able to build. What an incredible thing this is. Because Nehemiah has brought them into this and tells them, you have permission to build from the king. You have permission from God to be able to build. We have the resources we need. We just need you to go. And certainly the people are involved. So there's an invitation involvement scenario that goes on at this time. But like I mentioned, there are some enemies who don't want this to happen because they are the ones who have been going in and stealing everything from them. They get free crops. They get all the spoil of Israel. And so the enemies come in chapter 4 of Nehemiah. Let's look at that. It says, Now when Samballot heard that they were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged. And he jeered at the Jews, and he said in the presence of his brothers... And of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish it up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and the burned ones at that? And Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and said, Yes, what are they building? If a fox jumps on it, he will break down their stone wall. Hear our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up for plunder in the land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and do not let their sin be blotted out from your sight. For we have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So we built the wall. And as the wall was joined together to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. And so at some point they've got to stand against the enemies. Because someone is always going to be there to discourage you. I hope you understand that. Anytime you try to build, there will always be someone there to discourage you. It just seems like it's that way. 
no matter what the project is, no matter how good an idea it is, there will always be someone to say no, to say it shouldn't happen, to say, no, we can't do this. And so Sanballat is there. They make fun of them. This is where trash talk comes from. And so they're very good at it. They talk about how bad they are. These people aren't builders. They can't put anything together. Look at that stone. That's not going to work. You guys are terrible. You're awful. If a fox even jumps on this wall, he's going to knock it over. Well, a fox isn't very big and it doesn't weigh very much. And so they're constantly putting them, putting them down. And Nehemiah offers a prayer. He says, God, I want you to see what they're doing. And this is a whole different way of praying. I want you to see their taunts and I want you not to forgive them. Well, that's a different kind of prayer, isn't it? What? Don't forgive them? Not only don't forgive them, I want you to punish them for what they're doing. Can we pray for punishment? But that's what Nehemiah is doing here. Punish them for what they're doing. He does not act like a victim. He does not act like these people are coming to do anything to him. He says, God, this is your work. This is your place. And these people are coming against you. And so, as he sees the people, they have a mind to work. Well, how can they have a mind to work in the face of all of this? You see, it doesn't matter if other people are saying things against them, because there's one guy there who prays to God about it, who believes in this, and who believes in them. And so, they have a mind to work, and so they just put one brick on top of another. And these are not small bricks, these are huge bricks, because the wall they're trying to build is 30 feet tall. I mean, this is not just a little wall like six feet around your backyard. This is a huge wall around their city where no one else is going to be able to get in. Uh, certainly no one else that they don't want in. And so that's what they're trying to build. Each one's work ties to the next. And so they build individually together. I know that doesn't make sense, but that's what they're doing. They are building their individual spot because they have a personal stake in the spot that they're building. It's right in front of my house. I'm going to build this part. But they're also tying it into this person and to this person. And so the wall comes together because each one builds and the whole wall goes up at once. Well, this is a huge wall. I mean, it's not like just around our church building. This is miles. And they're talking about all of these people being able to build. And so they each have their own responsibility. They each have their own place. But they're all building together. And that's really the way it has to work, isn't it? We're all a team. We all build together. And it's not like we just watch you put one brick on and say, okay, we're doing a good job. Isn't that how it happens a lot of times where there's one guy doing the work and everybody else is standing around watching? No, each one has their own place where they know where they're building. And so they each have things that they are to do. They need to get the mind off the criticism. They need to be able to see the goal. Because we don't get anywhere if we listen to the criticism. And so the wall's finished halfway. The reason it's never been done before is because they kept listening to the criticism. 
The people who said, no, it can't happen, no, it can't be done, and you look at this thing, and well, even if I built mine, it's never going to happen. But yes, it can. And the difference is because some person has come along and called it into being. It's faith. And now they join together in their faith to be able to build this. Well, the enemies are not going to give up on this so easily. And so not only have they tried the trash talk and tried making fun of them and ridicule, and that hasn't worked because the wall's still going up and getting bigger and bigger. Now they send forces against them. And so now they physically attack them. Well, Nehemiah says, then we're going to have to work and fight at the same time. A spear in one hand and a brick in the other. A sword in one hand and a brick in the other. So they had built and they continue to build, but they keep one hand ready with a sword. And so it talks about their right hand always having a sword, their left hand always having a brick. And so they begin to build this way. And so as you look at how they're able to build, it's kind of incredible. They're separated in their work. They're getting further and further. And so they're sometimes far out from each other. They don't know where they're going to attack. And so they'll attack at the weakest point. But they've also got a trumpet. When you hear the sound of the trumpet, come and fight. And so they work it out that way. They work from all day long, from daybreak till the stars come out. Wow. That's incredible to think that they're working for that much time. From daybreak till the stars come out. I mean, don't they get breaks? Don't they get time off for lunch? This doesn't seem like they're doing it the right way. I mean, it seems kind of, you know, bad for them. Not only that, he says, we didn't even take our clothes off. You didn't take your clothes off? No, because we're not going home. We're going to spend the night right here at our wall because this is important. And so they were building the wall with this kind of intensity. In fact, when we slept, we never let go of our sword because we knew we were going to need it in just a minute. The work gets incredibly intense because they're trying to finish, they're trying to build, and it is that kind of intensity until it is finished. Well, I think a lot of times we never get there because we don't have people who are willing to put in that kind of intensity. We get about halfway up and, okay, well, it's difficult. Let's take a break. Let's take some time off. Let's all rest. And that's the reason it hasn't been done. It's because people didn't work. After all, who wants to work that hard? If you're going to face the danger, sometimes you have to. Because sometimes you need to build. And God blesses it. And God has sent Nehemiah there for that reason. There is a season when it's time to work and work incredibly hard. Now, it won't be for the rest of your life. It won't be all the time. But for this time, in order to finish, in order to stand against their enemies, they had to do all of these things. And so in chapter 6, the wall was finished. 
on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. And when all their enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. That's absolutely what happened. It is with the help of God. And life in Jerusalem would never be the same after that. And I think that's one of the things we need to learn. In fact, here's the picture. The wall of Nehemiah. They've dated this wall and say Nehemiah built it. It's actually still standing. Yeah, that's like 2,500 years ago. And it's still standing because they built it. It would not be a destroyed city when Jesus gets there. Here's another part of the wall. They say this was built by Nehemiah. It would be different. Is it going to be perfect? No, it isn't going to be perfect. But it's going to be there. It's going to be different. And it changed everything. It changed from a life of idolatry because now they've been taken captive. To where when they bring the people back, you don't read about the idolatry anymore. All of a sudden, when you get to the time of Jesus, the idolatry isn't really the problem. In fact, they have gone so far the other way. They have gone to where the Pharisees are so much sticklers for the law. But you don't really read about it being a huge time of idolatry. It changes everything. And so Nehemiah takes the opportunity to be able to build the walls. And certainly Jerusalem still has walls. If you go there, you can see the walls that surround Jerusalem. Not all of those are built by Nehemiah. They've been built at different times by different people. But it's something that God allows. It's something that stands. And if we can ever even look at that today and say, you know what? This is standing still today. This story is a real story. In 52 days, where they had spent years not doing anything, now in 52 days, they've got a wall because they had the intensity of work that it takes to accomplish it for God. And God had his hand on them. So in the face of danger, we build. Because sometimes that's what's needed is to be able to build. Each one does his part. We build in front of our house. We build out of the rubble of our past and some of the things that have been difficult for us in the past. And we build out of those experiences and we say, we're not going to live that anymore. We're going to live different. We're going to be better people than that. And we turn rubble into building blocks. We take our section that we've been assigned and we build something better. We build out of dedication to God. We build our worship to Him. We build in honor to God. They were looking for a Messiah. We already know about Him. And we build today because there's a Messiah. We just need to tell other people about Him. So what do we build? 
Well, I think sometimes we need to build and protect where we're hurting. And one of the things that we're hurting now is a virus that's gone around. I want you to know that we have not been idle in the last few weeks. You can see all kinds of things that people have done. And I want you to realize this building has never been cleaner. Cynthia has spent six weeks and she has shampooed every single carpet in the whole place. Every single place where there are chairs or padding or anything. Every single surface has been wiped down. It is not as if we've been sitting around doing nothing. I tell you what, people need to give Cynthia a hug just as soon as they can get back. She's shampooed all the carpets, the pews, everything has been done. And you need to know that because it hasn't been an idle time. Because we prepare for what's coming up next. We build with God. And that's what makes all the difference. We are not going back to the way it was. That's the thing I want you to learn most of all. Did we learn anything out of this? Did we gain anything out of the fact that now we've had this pandemic, we've had a virus, we, if we didn't learn anything, then what have we done with the time? We need to have learned the lessons from this, and you might even still have a couple weeks to figure it out. But we have a chance to do something better. People talk about coming back. Please don't come back to the same old thing you left. We need to be able to build for God. And you may have been too tired to do things before. But you've had six weeks of rest at home. You do not need more rest, okay? It's time to do something. It's time to be busy. And as soon as we get released, it's time to invite some people to come to church with you. It's time to talk to people. It won't come back right away. But we want to build something better. I think there's some new things that we've been able to learn, and I hope we're going to be learning some more of these. What did you learn? What are you able to build? Well, there's some videos that are up. Whether they're good or not, well, that's the best we could do. You still do it so that you can make a difference and try to do something. We have learned that parents can teach their children at home because parents, you have been able to do that. And it's allowed you to have some time at home with your kids that you wouldn't have had before. You would have had all those normal activities and you've been able to learn to teach your kids at home. We have been able to worship even if it's just worshiping at home. We've been able to sing along with some of the songs that are put up there. The music's right there. I know you can hear Trisha in your ear saying, come on. And uh, we just need to be able to sing. And go ahead and sing out. Because every person sitting there in your house has heard you sing in the shower already. It just can't get any worse. And if you're afraid to sing in church because they'll think you can't sing, there's nobody there. Go ahead and sing out. It's time to worship God. We can bring a message of God even over the phone. We can bring a message in a time when we're able to share God. We have learned how connected we are with His Spirit. We have learned that God's hand is in everything. 
We've learned that we like being together. We've learned that it's an incredible thing and incredibly powerful when we can be together. We've learned that we can depend on each other. We've been able to call each other and just check on people. Because you can do that now. It can't be, well, I have nothing to say to you because nothing's been happening. And, but you can just say, I just called a check on you. And you can still do that. You can still be caring about other people. So what do we build now? Where do we go now? We get ready for building God's church the way he wants. The strength of the church is the people. People is the church. When we come back, what do you bring? What do you bring with us? What do we all do when we come back together? Well, I find it in this last passage from Paul in Ephesians chapter 2. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into the holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We are built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. What an incredible thing. That's how we build. Whenever you feel unloved or unimportant or insecure, remember to whom you belong. Don't let just a time of separation make you feel like you're unloved or like Jesus doesn't care or like the rest of the people aren't all here for you. We are. And you know it because the Spirit is the one who does all of these things with us as he builds us together to be that temple of God.